Hey, it's Jason with the Marketing Podcast Network. As a business-to-business marketer, your needs are unique. B2B buying cycles are long and your customers face incredibly complex decisions. Isn't it time you had a marketing platform built specifically for you? LinkedIn ads empower marketers with solutions for you and your customers. LinkedIn ads allow you to build the right relationships, drive results, and reach your customers in a respectful environment. On LinkedIn, you'll have direct access to and build relationships with decision makers. Of the 875 million users on the network, 180 million are senior-level executives, 10 million are C-level executives. You will also be able to drive results with targeting and measurement tools built specifically for B2B, and they work. Audiences exposed to brand messages on LinkedIn are six times more likely to convert. LinkedIn Ads is also ranked number one for security, community, and ad experience as part of Business Insider's Digital Trust Study. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash MPN and claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash MPN. Terms and conditions apply. Content marketing, SEO, competitive research, advertising. Sounds like a large scope of work you need to get done. How about full digital marketing control over your business? SEMrush can be your right hand for that. It has over 50 tools and reports to cover any online marketing activities. No more switching from one service to another. Get a 14-day free trial and watch your business grow. Go to bit.ly slash SEMrushMPN. That's B-I-T dot L-Y bit.ly slash S-E-M-RushMPN. What's good, podcasters? Thank you so much for tuning in to Pod Central. We are back again. Today, we have Hector, who is a podcast marketing specialist. This guy is killing it on Twitter. One of my favorite follows as a podcast host myself. Hector, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Chris. I appreciate it, man. So my favorite thing to start my episodes with now is having a discussion about the industry. I think it's good to hear people's unpopular opinions about podcasting. So give me one unpopular opinion about podcasting off the rip. Let's go. I think that there, I see a lot of talk about old white people being podcasters and the podcast industry being filled with a bunch of old white people and old white dudes specifically. And someone might throw me in that group. I never got, my whole life, I never got considered white. So if they're doing it now, then I'll be damned. But... (laughs) I think it is a there is a, a gatekeeperness to the industry that I think is a little it's a little restricting. It's a little it hinders the 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 industry. It hinders the people trying to get into the space. And although it seems like something that anybody can get started with, there's also this guard of this avant guard of people who seem to think that podcasting has to be done a certain way sound a certain way, done by a certain type of person for with a certain type of mindset perspective. And so I just think that that's not all, you know, there's a lot more of that than people would imagine. I actually agree with that. I've had some experiences when I go to podcast events where I'm used to the crazy looks. I'm used to that. That's normal for me. But some of the things people are willing to say are shocking. Like, I never tell people the things that are like said because it's just, it's almost unbelievable because it was said to me and I don't believe it was said. I agree that there are some people that truly believe that it has to be done a specific kind of way. And I actually see a shift happening in industry where I see a lot of the older white guys, I won't say quitting, but more so pivoting. Where they're like, eh, I want to take a step back. I don't want to do this as much as I did before. They it's, realize it's, it's not like what it was before. Yeah, yes. It's not what, the, it's not what the, they are 
yeah, it's not what it used to be. And so they'd rather go do something else. I agree. Oh, man. I feel like the last four or five months, specifically on Twitter, we've seen a lot of people back up. I know Tanner Campbell was one. Steve Osher is selling his entire company, like everything. And this dude owned podcast magazine and everything. So there's definitely a shift happening where more of the older generation of podcast experts, so to speak, they're leaving the game alone. I think at the beginning, it was so much about audio and it was so audio focused and even tech technologically focused RSS feeds and XMLs and all these things that frankly, I got in a little afterwards to where I didn't need a lot of that stuff. And I think that's a big difference right now that it's changing where it's more about community and content. And <laughs> sorry if you guys are catching my kids on the recording here. I thought they knew that I do podcasts, but uh, that is a uh, that's something that I think is changing, right? It's more focused on content, on community, on relationships, and less so on the tech or even less so on the topics or the genres. It's much more about the community mm. and the relationships that are being built. Yeah. And I don't think some of these people are built. I've had some people literally come to me and tell me, hey, you should start a community because in that group is literally, and they said this word for word, and that group over there, although it's large and there's a lot of people, a lot of good information. There are only older white men, Christian white men. And I was shocked. Wow. I didn't realize that people saw this as that much of an issue, but it's really, I think it's really stopping a lot of people from progressing as podcasters in terms of generating more revenue, talking to more amazing people. The more diverse our industry can become, and even our consultants can become, the more industries are going to grow. If we only have a certain type of person speaking from their perspective, it kind of stunts our growth a bit, man. A hundred percent. And it's hard because I, a lot of people could go, Hector, you're a, you look like a white Christian dude. And it's, I maybe check a lot of those boxes, but I also realize that there's so much value in that diversity of perspective and to silence somebody or to say that somebody can't do something because it's different. It's just, I don't know. I, obviously, we know the, the challenges that come with that. But I think that what's even bigger now is that people see podcasting used to be this thing that there was no gatekeeper, that there was no guard. But now people are seeing, I don't know if I have that. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I look like that. And to that point, I think it holds us back. It holds people coming back. And it also keeps the content from being pretty sterile. If all the people who are creating the content look and sound and think and feel and all they're all the same. And the content that they make is not going to be as diverse as what it could be as if there was all these different voices and perspectives all contributing to this greater collective. Yeah, man, because if I can tell my story and give my perspective and talk about my background, I know that. 95% of the people I meet at PodFest and all these events, most of them have never experienced some of the things in life that I have. And I probably haven't experienced what they have. I understand that. So that's why I think it's good that everybody has a voice. And that's what podcasting is to me. And I hope we can get back to that where there's not a lot of discrimination and not necessarily like literal discrimination, but there are some discrimination things that happen, discriminatory things that happen when it comes to like communities or certain products being offered. I've witnessed it with my own eyes. I've experienced it. And I just hate that there are a lot of other people going through that. It's something that we have to change. So let me ask you this. Going forward, how would you like to see the industry overall evolve? I think that the 
ease of access, right? And that if someone wants to be able to start a show and be successful in whatever that means, right? Or to actually garner an audience, that that's still possible in five, 10, 15, 15 years. I see that there is a route where it could get very hard for an independent podcaster to go out there and succeed. Mm because of the current landscape and the way that it works, right? Whether that's becoming to apps or listeners, marketing, promote all the current landscape right now, you've really, for indie podcasters to succeed, you've really got to do all the things right. And you got to do it right for a long enough time. I think podcasting- Not give up. <laughs> podcasting is unique because they can't lean on a lot of, at least right now, a lot of the same- platform benefits, if you will, that some of the other creators are in the sense that a YouTuber, a Mr. Beast, he can focus on just creating an amazing video. And he knows that if he just puts it onto YouTube, if it's good enough, YouTube is going to find its way to viewers. Same thing mm -hmm. with Instagram a little bit, TikTok even more, but they know that if they put something into that algorithm, the algorithm is going to do some work for them to be able to put them in front of the audience because that's how the platforms are built. Podcasting being as independent and open source and RSS and things like that, there's no algorithm. There's no app that's really pushing for the creators and finding this content and matching it with listeners. And so it really, really relies so heavily on the actual podcaster to go out and do that for themselves. And that's not always the case for a lot of creators. And so my hope would be that as we move into this, into the next five, 10 years, when the podcast space gets a little bit more developed, that there's still ways for people to get started and to not need the funding of a large network or to not need the backing of a big business or whatever behind it to be able to succeed. And so that would be my hope is that things get more democratized, things get easier, the access gets easier, the tools they that get easier, not more complicated. But there's it seems like there's this thing where things get easy for people and then it gets really hard again because things get more complex. So that's what I would hope is that someone could start a show if they wanted to without needing a ton of extra something behind them. Yeah, man. Discoverability is just the hardest part, like getting your show found. I have to tell podcasters right now all the time, hey, look, the most important thing you could do is figure out how you're going to get traffic. Most important thing, and whether it's social, whether it's local events, whatever you're doing, you got to get traffic because your traffic, after you have traffic, becomes word of mouth. It becomes your listeners promoting you, stuff like that. It becomes partnerships and promotions. But that first 20 episodes, that's an uphill battle, man. I think you might have muted yourself. I got the kids in the background here. Tracy Hazard, she she runs a podcast company down here in, in Orange County in Southern California where I live. And she said something to the effect of like 25 episodes that like 90 some odd percent of people don't get past 25 episodes. And you mentioned that 20 mark is a grind. And there's so much that people are finding out. They're finding out whether they like it. They're finding out what what and how to talk about it. They're figuring out what their guests are. They're also trying to figure out if anybody likes it. I think too many people, they put a, they have too short of a runway before they, they start yeah. to determine whether or not things are working, right? It's get to 20 episodes, get to even get to 50 episodes, then look up and go, okay, 
did it because by that time you'll have given enough time for people to find it, for them to go through it, the numbers to come through, all that sort of stuff. So I think a long enough runway is a big part of it. Yeah, and I would I always tell people to get to that point to know if you're good at podcasting or if you want to do it or not you should put out more content earlier and faster. Don't take your time because how you just explained a 20 episode mark, right? If you do one episode a week, that's only four episodes a month. It's going to take you months to get there. I think within 90 days, you should know. In 90 days, you should know whether you want to do this or not. That's a rule I have for my life overall, but specifically when creating content, I need to know in 90 days if this is going to work or not. So when I launch shows, I work when I work with clients, we launched with six episodes in that first month instead of just a regular four. A lot of times now we even do eight. Well, we do three the first week and then two and switch it up. Like that first month, we want to put out a ton of content just because it gives your listeners something to binge on. It builds your brand a lot faster. It's just better, man. That's just, I think that's a better and healthier approach if you're a, a podcaster that wants to figure this thing out. Like you can't move slow and drag your feet with it. Yeah, it is a really good point. We've talked about in some of the programs that we do, having a year-long runway in the sense that you should do it for a year, commit to it for a year. But I, but that's also because we're all only expecting people to be putting out a cadence of about once a week. And so that's about, if you think about a year, that's about 50 episodes. Whereas if you can condense that 50 episodes into three months, into 90 days, you're talking about one, maybe two to three a week. Yeah, I think you can really figure out you can really figure some things out. And especially if it's tied to a business or especially if there's some sort of monetization or or economic driver behind it, or it's got to start to make dollars and cents, then then doing more content sooner is going to be way more effective than stretching that out over over the longer period of time. I want everybody listening to this to understand that I'm a madman. I'm a little crazy when it comes to this content stuff. So I do a ridiculous amount of content. I'm doing more live interviews and here in Seattle, I'm going back to LA to do interviews. I plan on traveling across the country this year, interviewing startup founders and CEOs and some podcasters. Um, And the clients that I work with, I teach them that because they want to get clients. And there's a certain way you do podcasting if you want to get clients versus if you want to get sponsorships. It's just a totally different way you have to operate your show. That's a really good distinction that I didn't really make, that I've never made so simply that I want to thank you for. Because, yeah, we've talked a lot about the traditional route. And I say I talked a lot about, but we have some programs and we do virtual mixers and stuff where we bring podcasters on. This is a big topic of conversation because <clears throat> a lot of people start their show because they want to drive business. They want to grow their clients. They have coaching programs or service-based, or they have a SaaS or e-commerce, whatever it is. <clears throat> Excuse me. And podcasts are great for that. But the problem is, to your point, the traditional, the traditional advice, the traditional strategies, the all of the typical shows that everybody would look to of what is a good podcast, those ones are not making their shows for clients. Those are not clients. Those are the shows that they were making for, like you said, sponsors, or it was a listener-based model, not a client-based model. And to, they are very distinct, totally. Yeah. That's why I think you got to figure out how you're going to monetize from day one. In my opinion, I know a lot of people tell you don't worry about the money, but look, I'm telling you, and my listeners know this, focus on the money early on. 
especially if you got a co-host. Oh God, don't wait until you're eight months in to start talking about, Hey, we're getting a sponsor now. And they're like, okay, we should both get 30% and then put revenue back into the podcast. And one of you is like, I want all the money. Like you, you got to figure that out as early as possible, because again, it's going to determine how your logo should look, the kind of episodes you should put out. Like I myself, I'm tired of hearing interviews where they just talk in circles. I don't want to hear that shit anymore, man. I'm be honest. I don't want to hear you talk to another person that's supposedly this big world known expert that's a fake Amazon bestseller. I don't care. That's not going to move the needle for me. And that's not going to make your show profitable. We just got to really pivot when it comes to business podcasts specifically. Oh, for sure. I think that the idea of doing a regular interview show is the base standard, right? That's okay. You're going to do an interview show. What else are you going to do? How else are you going to create a enjoyable and engaging e experience for your customers, right? One thing that's interesting, if a lot of our, if a lot of your listeners are kind of businesses or they're getting into podcasts for purposes, we've seen a lot of people make the mistake of doing an interview show to grow their business, but then they look up, like you said, eight months later and they realize why they haven't gotten any traction to their business. And part of the problem is that they're giving all of that, let's call it relational equity to the guests. They've spent 45 mm. minutes and all of that sales juice, if you will, for just lack of a better term, is given to the guests because they're making them look amazing, as most shows should. So if you... if the hosts are not taking the time to either do solo episodes or we have we have some clients that do like smaller solo segments where they'll still have an interview show, but they're injecting their personality, they're injecting their expertise into these solo segments so that it can remind the guests, oh yeah, these people, they're not just great question askers. They have knowledge, they have expertise, they have whatever. And so I think that's a big distinction too, where a lot of people say, I'm just going to do an interview show. It's okay, that's great, but that's not actually going to that alone is not going to feed your business. Not at all. Not at, And they really believe it is. And I have to fight some clients tooth and nail to explain that. Look, man, it just isn't what you think it is. You know, you're going to need more. Well, but you know, I do, another I distinction, do think Chris, if I could jump in and add on just one more thing, is that I had a conversation recently with somebody who said that their, they thought their ideal listener was going to be their client. And mm. they realized that the that that was too much of a stretch, right? Their services were too much. The person who they were speaking to, their ideal listener, was too far away to be able to actually turn into a client. When instead, their ideal guest should is actually their client, and so mm. they can actually use the guest spots to create those sales conversations with potential clients while still providing value to their ideal listeners. And I think a lot of people, they think that those two are the same, that their ideal listener is their potential client when that doesn't have to be the case. They can still have their ideal listener, whoever that is, but then use the show to create those connections and spark relationships with potential clients. Yeah, man, I have an entire system built on that. It's crazy where I work with Fortune 5, like massive companies, million dollar companies on getting their ideal prospects as guests. I have an entire guideline on that monthly podcasting guideline that just breaks down how you do this. Like, how do you take that guest that you're talking to and ensure that they're the prospect that you want to work? With? And then how do you interview them so that the content isn't you just selling? Because nobody wants to listen to that. And then also, how do you convert them after the conversation?
right? So it's a whole process to that. That's what I've been doing to monetize my podcast. When I tell people, look, I make 10 times more for my show through product sales versus sponsorships. I always shocked, like, how much were you getting sponsored? I'm like, at one point I had a couple of shows that were making 500 bucks an episode. And it was a network with four shows. And I wasn't hosting any of them. I was just getting paid for it. Then you, I realized that if I sell my own products and services, there's no ceiling on this. That is what took me to the next level. And I do think that the perspective on what a podcast guest is needs to change. That's another opinion I have is a podcast guesting services are. I think that they are displacing some of the podcast hosts. Because if you your company makes $3,000 per client and I'm a podcaster and I'm not making 100 bucks a month for my show, but you're sending me all of your clients, I have an issue with that. I have an issue with that for sure. I think more podcasters need to stop just taking all those random guests, man. Stop, please. It's diluting the field. <laughs> Is that what people do? Being a producer, I guess I'm in a different role and we produce for some bigger shows. So my inbox is just filled. And I don't open. Oh, a, I don't open a one of them. I don't. And actually, I, I take that back. I will open maybe one out of a hundred. Is probably what as what I will open because they have a good head headline and it's something that we're currently covering or whatever. But generally, I would agree with you that those are not those services are not really helping the podcast hosts. And I would be curious to know how much value they're really providing for the podcast guests given how expensive a lot of these services are. And don't get me wrong, I there are a few people who I know provide some great services and get people on some great shows and they do some great things for them. But yeah, I don't know that they're beneficial for the industry as a whole. I just don't think it is because it's beneficial to that one specific person that has a company, right? It's an author who has a book coming out. They want to go on 20 podcasts in three months. But instead of doing the work and building relationships on their own, they hire an agency. When they hire said agency, the agency goes and spams the podcast host. And then the agency doesn't even want to pay the podcaster. That part never makes sense to me because you're right. going to get a better podcast. You'll get more shows. You'll build more relationships if you pay the there podcaster. Is, there is one, Guestio. I'm going to give a shout out to them. They do exactly that. And I was, that's actually one of the reasons that I opened it. And I was, I went through the process just to be like, all right, when is this, when's it going to switch? <laughs> when is this going to go? And it didn't, and they were great. And they, we didn't, need, it's not that the money, like we did it as a, I, I did it as a test to see the money's cool. And it was like, I don't know, a few hundred bucks for an episode. But, but I was just, I was shocked that someone was actually taking the initiative that you're talking about. Because I think that is a better and a that's something that grows the industry as yeah. opposed to leeching off of it. For sure, man. Shout out to Travis Chapel over there at Guestio, man. They're doing some great work, some great work. I just think more podcasters will be successful if people were willing to put their money into the industry in that way. Like instead of mm. me spending 500 bucks on Google ads, I'll spend $500 on other podcasts and podcast newsletters and stuff first because I want to put money into creators, not just mm -hmm. the bigger system. I think that's how we really can grow and evolve the industry. So let me ask you that. What is one thing you want to start, you would like for more podcasters to start implementing so that the industry can grow and evolve more? I think we should be collaborating more, doing things like this. Right where I don't know where you're listening to this episode. You might be listening to it on my feed. You might be listening to it on Chris's feed. 
but hopefully there'll be some cross-pollination. If you're listening to on Chris's feed, I'd encourage you to come over and listen to mine and vice versa. And I think more of that needs to happen outside of just the regular interview shows, outside of just the regular typical shows even. Can we get true crime and fantasy and, and all these kind of shows collaborating and, and connecting because podcasting is so siloed. And even within the podcasting industry, the genres are often so siloed and oh, yeah. bringing together, we have, we have something called podcast AMA and it's, we're just trying to do exactly that, bring people together. And what's cool is when you see someone who has a true crime show, and then you see someone who has a business show, and then you see someone who has this storytelling show and they come together that all the combination of ideas and the combination of collaboration that happens there is just so much more, I don't know, magical than if, any of those would have been doing them by themselves or in their own industry, because like we talked about at the beginning, you're not getting that fresh set of perspectives and ideas. And so I think there's so much room for us to lean on each other, mostly because there's no one out there. There's no one else out there trying to help podcasters. Like we're all in this on our own. And so if we can band together, then I think that we are going to be much more likely to succeed. Oh man, I 100% agree, man. This is exactly what we need. And as industry grows, we all get paid more. We all generate more revenue. So everybody wins. It's not a situation where one person wins, somebody else is a loser. Everybody can win. Hector, I know you got to run. You got stuff to do. I got stuff to do. Thanks for doing this. I think this is a great conversation. I think we should start doing this consistently and let's invite some people in and interrogate them on the show. <laughs> Yeah, man, we got into some things that usually we don't get into, and uh, it was a good conversation. Much needed. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Tim Hines hosts a great podcast called the Marketing Starter Podcast. Tim, tell these fine folks what they're going to get when they listen. They're going to get great insights on how marketers can take an entrepreneurial attitude to what they do in marketing to be a little bit more successful. So I interview top marketers from all around the world and heck, even some that are bottom and middle. It's really about marketers who embody the entrepreneur entrepreneurial spirit to be the best that they can be. Awesome. Where can people subscribe? They can, of course, subscribe on marketingpodcast.net, but they can also search for the show on all their favorite podcasting platforms, as well as visiting my website, which is tnhines.com slash podcast. You heard him. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.